Hey, everybody. This is Patrick, the Chief Monkey and founder of Wall Street Oasis. Just wanted to first off say thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Second, wanted to make sure for any of you in the market for financial modeling training, remind you that Wall Street Oasis does have some incredible financial modeling training courses, including Excel modeling, financial statement through, you know, linking up the three statements, DCF, valuation, M&A, LBO, um, even more niche courses like 13-week cash flow, venture capital course, real estate modeling, you name it. Go ahead and check them out at wallstreetoasis.com slash courses. Thanks for the support. Hello and welcome. I'm Patrick Curtis, your host and chief monkey. And this is the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Join me as I talk to some of the community's most successful and inspirational members to gain valuable insight into different career paths and life in general. Let's get to it. In this episode, Jason shares his path coming from a non-target school and how a mentor from his hometown changed his life. Listen to how he was able to land a few critical internships, prepare for the interviews, and beat the odds to land a full-time offer in the fixed income division of Morgan Stanley right out of undergrad. Learn why he ended up moving over to City in their investment banking division and eventually why he jumped to the buy side at a family office. Enjoy. All right, Jason, welcome to the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Hey, thanks, Patrick. Glad to be here. So it'd be awesome if you could just give the listeners a short summary of your bio. Sure. Um, so I'm from New Jersey. I went to college at Rutgers Business School, majored in finance and minor economics. Uh, out of school, I went to Morgan Stanley as my first job after my junior summer internship um, on the CELO structuring desk. Spent a few years there and wanted to make the switch to more of um, traditional investment banking where I wanted to learn more about those companies that we're securitizing in our CLOs. So I made the switch to Citigroup's restructuring financing desk. Um, spent about a year and a half there and then made the switch to the buy side where I'm currently at, at the Tishman family office where I'm an investment associate covering a broad range of things. Some of them being structured credit, corporate credit, and I've also gotten the opportunity to look into VC and real estate as well. Very fun. Cool. So let's start uh, all the way back at uh, Rutgers. Tell me a little bit about why Rutgers. Uh, did you know you wanted to be finance from like freshman year? Were you always like, were you on WSO back freshman year? Like, how do I do this? Or, or even in high school, what was the, what was the path in terms of like, you know, oh, sure. so, stuff? so definitely didn't know anything about investment banking or anything in finance. Uh, I had one uncle who did risk management at BNP. So he was the only person I ever knew that did anything remotely close to the finance industry at all. Yeah. Um, I chose Rutgers because... Um, what did your parents do? Uh, my parents, my father, he's a pharmacist. And then uh -huh. my mother, she was a stay-at-home mom. She also was an accountant uh, before, I guess, while I was cool. young. And then she just became like a full-time stay-at-home mom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Um, but it, um, I chose Rutgers because some of it was my, both my parents went to Rutgers. So Rutgers always kind of ingrained in my mind. Mm -hmm. And it was really close to a lot of things that were going on. So I thought like it was close to New York. There's a lot of opportunities in New York. And there's also a lot of great companies, like medical companies in New Jersey. Yeah. So the location was really good. And I was from, I'm from New Jersey. So the in-state tuition was really good. So I thought like the program, um, how many uh, different courses and majors that they offered, mm -hmm. plus its location and price made it the best pick. Um, For sure. What, what was it like per year? Was it like under 20K? Oh, per year? No, no. It was about like... 20k so 20, yeah yeah for in-state that's pretty more. good 
Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. <laughs> now it's more so than, now it's about like thirty something. Okay, so it's not so cheap anymore. That's crazy, man. For not anymore. Yeah, it just gets more and more expensive every year. <laughs> okay, so yeah, so did you did you graduate with a lot of student debt still because it was like twenty something per year? So that's still like. Uh, I got much. some scholarships, and then I, I my, during my internships, I made some money. Yep. So I didn't graduate too much debt, but um, nice. I have it all paid off now. So that's really, really good. Sweet, man. Okay. So you're, you're kind of, you didn't really know too much. You had one uncle kind of risk management. So when did you kind of, I see you were part of like the LIBOR, the Little Investment Bankers or Rutgers. Um, yeah. I love that name. Um, for <laughs> you, were, you kind of joined that when, like, and, and when did you kind of start thinking, hey, finance is something I want to do? Was it like sophomore year, junior, were you late, like junior, senior year? What happened? Sure. So, so when, Initially, when I went to college, I wanted to become a doctor or do something in medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't do too great in my SATs. I did really good in school, but I, I didn't take my SATs very seriously. And I couldn't get into like those really good programs that Rutgers offer, like the pharmacy school. And because, because your SATs to get into the school, even though you had like a 4.0? Yeah, yeah. It's, um, they're, they're really telling you. The pharmacy school at Rutgers is like probably one of the most competitive programs um, out there. It's like probably the best pharmacy school in the country maybe and when do you have to actually get into that like is that like an undergrad thing like where you have to like get it placed into it like right right when you get there or is it like something? yeah oh well you you could get in once um you're already in school but then you're kind of behind because you have to take your classes and then but i got it got it when i didn't get in i i was like okay i don't know what to do i don't know what because when i when i grew up i grew up in union city new jersey it was Mm -hmm. kind of like it's a bad area Mm -hmm. so the things that the careers that I only knew that existed were being a lawyer, a doctor, um, engineering, farm, like the typical stereotypical jobs. So when that path was kind of like a little muted on the side, I was like, wow, I don't know what to do. So I got accepted to the business school and my thought was I can stay here, still take all these science classes. And then maybe I want to go transition to another school, want to go get my um, study for the MCAT, things like that. I could still do that. Mm-hmm. So I went to like an um, involvement day and there was one group, the little LIBOR, and there's these guys that were there and they're talking about their summer internships. And they said, yeah, I worked at Goldman Sachs. Somehow I knew what Goldman Sachs was. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, um, you should come to the information meeting. Um, we talk about like the careers we had. So I was like, for some reason, I was like, all right, I'll go to this one. Of all the, like, the 10 different places I saw. And I went and they were speaking about the type of um, – role you can have the career trajectory you can have from coming from investment banking or front office finance mm-hmm. and also the type of compensation a lot of the kids were getting and you're like what <laughs> i was like wow i was like so i actually called my uncle and i said hey is this like a scam is this one of like those um scams like oh like yeah this much and then he goes oh this is real but it's very very tough and and then I, you're like i want it <laughs> you're like i can do it yeah i, I thought I don't have to go to school for eight years. I don't have to go to school for, you know, I don't have to go apply for my JD or I don't have to take these crazy exams. I just have to try really hard in school. Yeah. And at the time I was like a freshman, so I didn't really know the tall order it really took to really get these jobs from a non-Ivy League or top 10 school. Right. So that's kind of like how I made the decision. I want to do something in finance and particularly one of these front office roles. Do you think you would have had a perfect uh, GPA if you didn't know about this? Or do you think that drove you knowing that, knowing that you had to kind of, you had very little wiggle room for error. Did that drive you at school to do so well? I definitely say it definitely did drive me because when I told like other people I met about 
my ambitions to wanting to go into front office finance. They said, oh, you want to you go to Rutgers? Uh, there's no way you're going to get into XYZ Bank or any of these programs. You need to have at least a 3.7 a GPA. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, 3.7 GPA. Everyone where I grew up, everyone was talking about failing college and barely passing. Yeah. Getting a B was amazing. So I was like, how am I going to get a GPA A's. good enough? Uh, so how did you do, how did you do in high school I mean, you didn't do well in the SAT, but how'd you do in high school? Were you a good student then? No. Yeah. I was a really good student. I, for some reason I have a knack for doing well in, in, in school and in class. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just not really good. I'm not a really amazing standardized test taker. I graduated third in my class in my high school. Yeah. And, um, the other students that were in the top five, they all went to Ivy league schools. So I was like one of the only few that didn't go to an Ivy league school. So why do you think, you struggled on the SAT. You just didn't take it seriously. You didn't know how important it was like for, for placement or you knew you wanted to stay near home anyways. I don't know. I think I, I've never been an amazing test taker. I just, well, not I, like, I guess how you get, how, not standardized tests. Okay. I got it. Yeah. Cause like you're, you're getting A's across the board everywhere else. Okay. So, but you're, you're basically coming in here. You're get the good news is you met that group early. Sure. Right? So that's huge. Um, just freshman year being able to know, okay, this is what I'm going for. That's a huge mm -hmm. advantage. And it's funny because I, I mentor some kids now and the difference between the mentors that are like freshman or sophomore versus junior and senior mm -hmm. to the freshman, I'm just like, oh, you're already, you're already hitting the networking. They're already like practicing the financial modeling. They're doing everything they need to do. Mm -hmm. um, they just, even from whatever non-target, it doesn't matter. They can really make huge inroads. So, okay. So I'm curious that group, so they, you knew as soon as it said, oh, it's really hard. You got to get a really high GPA. You're like, okay, so you're motivated. You're doing well through your freshman year. But what are you doing in terms of um, like internship, trying to network? What do you, are, you, are you networking right away? Do you know the importance of that right away? Does like that group teach you that stuff or where are you learning all this stuff? Sure. So yeah, this group was really good. Yeah. Um, a lot, so when I went to like, my freshman year at Rutgers, Rutgers wasn't really on the map for any of the banks. So we really had we had absolutely zero recruiting other than a few alumni that are willing to selectively push kids to get like just an interview for a first round at like city investment banking or Goldman Sachs sales and trading. Mm -hmm. So when I was a freshman, I knew the importance, but I think a lot of people fall into like this comfort zone. They're like, Oh, I'm young. I don't have to do it right now. Or they get very nervous. Like I never did anything like that in my life. Yeah. So I didn't take it too seriously until I think it was like around February um, I actually met some, I started cold. I did exactly what the group told me to cold email a bunch of private wealth managers and emailing as many people as I could. I actually emailed, um, my uncle who he actually worked in like accounting mm -hmm. and he had a friend that was coming from China who worked at PwC in China mm -hmm. and I had um, lunch with him and I was talking to him that, Hey, I, I really want to do something in finance. And he was trying to straighten me away. He goes, Oh, you should do something in accounting. Um, like, I can give you um, like a two week internship in China if you want at PwC or three week internship. I was like, oh really? He goes, yeah. Um, if you if you're up for it, um, like let me let's uh, talk next week and we can see what what we can do. And I got very lucky, like extremely lucky. So you um, went to China? Yeah, I went. So I worked at the PwC office in Guangzhou, China, and I covered um, um, Chinese companies that wanted to go IPO in Hong Kong and like in America as well. So. Honestly, I didn't do too much work. I was only there for a few weeks, but I did get a good, like, good landscape of what accounting was, yeah. and it was a great resume builder. Like, not too many kids had a top four, big four accounting firm on their resume as a freshman. 
Yeah, that was huge, man. So then tell me how you leveraged that to the following summer because then you were at, you ended up at PNC, correct? Yes, yes. So, so tell me, how, how did you leverage that? Like, how was that second one? So one good thing was that PNC actually recruited on campus for corporate banking. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was trying to leverage it for other things. Like I, ha- I actually ended up getting interviews at some board record banks for sophomore investment banking. But I honestly was in my, like looking back at it, I wasn't polished and mature enough when I went through those interviews. Yeah. So it probably was a good thing that maybe it was all a plan that I didn't get those in- that, that internship for my, for my sophomore year. Yeah. But um, this, Why, let's, I, let's talk about that because I think mm-hmm. that's really common. Why do you think you weren't, mature enough or polished enough? Did you have the resources? Did you have the WSO course or any of the other courses out there that like helped you prep or had you in, like looked at those at all? Um, I, look, I honestly didn't. So yeah. I had like as many free resources I had as I yeah. could get. Like the co- a lot of colleges that give you the vault guide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I read that. So, but, yeah, you had done that, but did you, were you doing like mock interviews and stuff with friends at all? We did, but yeah. I don't know. I think a lot of it just comes with experience and just practicing. So I did do it with my friends. You need to do a lot of reps. No, I didn't do it with um, a professional maybe that, and that's kind of maybe the big difference. Someone that was really in the industry that really had that tonation, really put that pressure on you. Because when you're you're with your friends, you're a little more relaxed. They're not really giving like harsh criticism. So I think that's maybe the reason why it didn't work out as well for me when I was a sophomore. But looking back, I think it all worked out in the end. Tell me about like, well, we'll get to that later. Actually, so tell me, so how did, how did it come out? So on-campus recruiting for PNC, it's mm-hmm. corporate banking. Tell me what, the, what is that? Like, what are you doing um, when you're, this is in Jersey. Are you thinking, hey, if I get this, so you strike out at a couple of the bulge brackets, like sophomore rotational programs, totally normal. Most mm-hmm. people do, they're super competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you land this PNC one? Why, did, why do you think you got that opportunity? So I was, I think it's like, it's a, um, a consequence of your school too. So we had students that successfully went through that internship program mm-hmm. and got offers back to go for the junior summer. Um, I don't remember the top I have anyone went back, but they wanted to continue recruiting on campus. So um, I think I went on an interview, actually stayed up to date what was going on in the markets. I had some basic idea of what the job entailed because I networked with those students who interned there. Yeah. So I believe I, I must have impressed the initial interviewer and I got the super date to go to Chicago where they, I guess PNC had um, the final rounds for all of the summer analysts for the different divisions. Yeah. Different divisions. Were you excited when they flew you out and all that stuff? Oh yeah. I thought, I was like, wow, this is insane. I didn't think anything like this would happen. That's but that was a really good experience. I never been, I, I never went to Chicago. Yeah. And um, I actually had a few friends who were interviewing that same time who were like a year above me. Yeah. And we um, got pizza at like Lumanati's and Giordano's and saw the bean before I interviewed. So it was a really good experience. That's awesome. That's mm-hmm. awesome. So you, you ended, ended up interviewing at the Super Day there. Were you super nervous? Like how were you prepping before? Should I think of it as like a traditional banking like internship kind of interview where they're asking you like, tell me about valuation and all this good stuff? Or were they, was it more fit? It was, it was fit. And then they asked you some basic questions. Like what, if you had one statement, which one would you want to keep out of all the three financial statements? That's like the one I remember, or like, what's to you, what's the most important line on the income statement? Like, what would you focus on? Were you um, ready for those? At the t- I, mean, I actually didn't prepare for them, but I kind of knew the, I, I mean, I 
knew the answers somehow. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I remember from this class, uh, this is important. Mm -hmm. So, and I had a good explanation. I did have some of those guides, like the vault guides. I didn't have the Wall Street Oasis guide. So I wish I had that at the time. Man, man, you would have crushed it. No, just kidding. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. Don't worry, man. Don't worry. No, so like, so I'm just, I was just curious because I, I wanted to know like the level, like was it super competitive or not? Um, so PNC, mm -hmm. I think that you, you were saying they made it, they were making a push kind of to keep the, the channel to Rutgers open. They liked the kids they were getting from there. Sure. Absolutely. So, so tell me what that internship was like. So you, you go to Jersey, you fly to Chicago, you come back. Did they tell you right away, hey, you got the offer? Uh, I think it was maybe a few weeks later. And okay. then they contacted us saying that we got the offer. And you're psyched. And it's paid. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Very psyched. Um, thought, you know, it was a, good, a great opportunity. And um, I think they kind of gave you um, a guide as to like what locations you wanted. So... I put New Jersey or New York as my top choice. And then yep. I think like Chicago and Pittsburgh after that, and then ended up in the, the New Jersey office, corporate office. Nice, man. And so, um, what was it like? I mean, you were there for only three months, but did you, it was it more just like learning and just like watching kind of thing. And did they, did, did they give you a return offer to come back for junior year? Sure. So, um, a lot of the work was really supporting the relationship managers. So the way, from my experience in corp the corporate banking that I did, yeah, you're basically just um, the personal banker to a bunch of corporate companies who made like a certain level of revenue. So there's different levels of corporate banking. Mm -hmm. And I was just supporting their endeavors to maybe pitch uh, a new client as to why to use PNC as their next relationship as a corporate banker or offering certain financial solutions. Mm -hmm. Things like that, and then if a company needed uh, some type of financing, um, they would underwrite it. And I would, like, as an intern, I kind of shadowed the people that were underwriting it as well. So you got you kind of got a whole holistic view of the whole process that they did. That's um, cool. Mm -hmm. That's cool. That's a good. That's a good exposure. So then, going back, this is that was your sophomore summer. Yes, that was my. So sophomore you, now you're going back junior year. What's your thought process of like, okay, what am I going for now this next summer? Did they give you an offer to come back the following so junior year? So they did give me an offer to come back, but um, I actually got my summer offer for my junior year um, during my summer um, at PNC. So tell me, yeah, so that was at Morgan Stanley? Yeah, that was at Morgan Stanley. And so tell me about how that, that all went down, because that's, uh, that's, a, that's a big jump. Um, sure. Yeah. So it was during my sophomore summer, I had, my, I had an offer. I mean, um, during my sophomore, I had an offer. Yeah. And I um, I think it was the second semester. I remember. So I met um, back in my time again. It was a really bad time. I, I didn't think anyone at all would be in finance, let alone front office finance. Mm -hmm. But I went back to speak at my high school, and one of my old teachers, she was like, "Hey, uh, what are you doing right now? Like, like, what are you studying?" I told her I'm in business school. I'm studying finance, and she goes, "Oh, I have um someone you should really talk to. He works at J.P. Morgan. Um, you should give me, give me. I'll give you his contact. I'll tell him that you're gonna call him." So I said, okay, I emailed him and he ended up working at Morgan Stanley, but <laughs> I didn't, uh, he got confused. <laughs> so then I was like, so I actually looked him up and he was um, in FX sales and sales and trade at Morgan Stanley. I was like, whoa, he's in front office at Morgan Stanley from my town. This is crazy. So um, I actually went to the office during um, like one of my days in um, during college. This is sophomore year. Yeah. This is sophomore. even before you had done the PNC internship. Yeah. Cool. So, okay, so you went you went into the into the office. This was spring semester. Yes, yes, that's correct. Okay. And met him. Um, he actually um, was a really nice guy, awesome guy. I still talk to him to this day. He's a mentor, close friend of mine now. Mm -hmm. 
And he kind of just gave me the lay of the land. And he also motivated me even more because I remember he had a stack of resumes on his desk. And he said, look at these resumes and tell me what you think. He goes, how many schools do you see that are Rutgers? And I was like, none. He goes, that's right. Like, look, MIT, Yale, 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 Harvard, Dartmouth. Pan, like, these are the kids you're going up against. So met with him. Like, I thought what he was doing was really interesting. And then he, like, he was actually really proactive. And he said, hey, um, there's this uh, workshop that you should apply for. Um, for college, like sophomores and freshmen and juniors, like you can maybe get an internship, um, go to this conference. So I applied, I got in, and then I remember this very distinctly because- What was that? What was that conference or that thing? To help it was a, like um, early insights day to more Okay. Insight. And I remember I had like a big midterm that day. And remember like, I'm thinking I need a good GPA to get these jobs. So I told him, hey, um, this early insights day is on this day where- I had to take this ex- like really tough exam. Um, what do you, I, I might have to skip it. What do you think? He goes, listen, he called, he call, I'm texting him this. And he calls me, he goes, Jason, what are you doing right now? I said, um, just studying. He goes, stop studying. You're going to go to this conference or this early insights day. Because if you don't, you're not going to get a job here. I'm telling you, it is a great opportunity. And I said, oh, um, I could probably still, you know, network. And he goes, no, 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 like you're skipping that exam. I'm going to, I can write a letter for your teacher. You're going to go to this, this conference. And I said, all right, let's go. And uh, I ended up going. And because of the conference, uh, you got the opportunity to uh, basically apply for different divisions. Awesome. And, and um, I networked with a bunch of people. And then um, they had accelerated interview processes during the summer of uh, my sophomore year. Mm-hmm. So I actually interviewed while I was interning and luckily got an offer in the um, fixed income sales and trading division at wow. Morgan mm-hmm. So like if you hadn't been pushed by that mentor basically you wouldn't be where you are today. Uh, probably. I mean, <laughs> I, 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 he definitely changed my perspective on a lot of things and he definitely gave me that push to go to that thing because I think if he wasn't there, I might have said, Oh, the great exam. Yeah. You got to focus on the exam. So tell me a little bit about um, what that interview process was like that summer. When was it in the summer, like late near the end of your internship or was it pretty early? This is back in uh, 14, 2014. So this was, um, Number I think this was 20, 2013. It was my, like the, the oh, interview morning yeah, Stanley yeah. was th- when I was interning my sophomore at PNC. Got it. Yeah. 13. You're right. Okay. But, yeah. So mm-hmm. what was it like? Like you went in there first off when you started getting, when you got the inter- invite for the interview, were you like, Oh my gosh, I'm nervous or, and how did you, tr- how did you prep for like a sales and trading interview? Yeah, sure. So, um, when I got the interview, I first obviously called him and he's like super pumped. He's like, this is great. You know, um, I've never gotten a kid from Union City to, you know, get an interview with uh, my, any of my firms at all. So this is great. Mm-hmm. And Rutgers actually had also had a mentorship program for professionals who wanted to help out students at the school. So my mentor, like coincidentally, he used to be in sales and trading. Um, he was um, like a consultant at Blackstone because he was the head of trading at HSBC yep. back in the day. So he kind of gave me a lot of advice when I was going through the interview process. And my mentor, the one who worked at Morgan Stanley, he kind of framed on how to basically best approach interviewing, like when you're interviewing with traders, interviewing with salespeople and then research people. Mm-hmm. So I think that helped a lot. And what was his main, what was that main piece of advice just for the listeners here? Yeah, sure. So he kind of told me that, you know, salespeople, they're really you know, conversational. You have to be very personable. So try to be as personal as you could be. Mm-hmm. Traders and um, they really want like succinct answers. They want they re- they want they're very straight to the point. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of keep your answers like very you know concise. 
Yeah. And then research, he said, he, his answer was, I don't know how, like, they're just very, very smart, very analytical. Mm -hmm. So you might get asked the hardest questions from them. So be careful. Um, and just really like be thoughtful about your answers. Did you and feel like that, stress, when that I went stress, into an interview, did that stress you out more than it helped you or did you, <laughs> cause like to me, it's almost like, Oh great. Like, okay. Be super personable with these people. Be like ready for hard questions from the, I mean, I guess it helps cause you can kind of see it coming. Right. Um, yeah. So, um, when I was a kid, I did, um, jujitsu and kickboxing. So in my mind, it kind of framed, okay, this is like the type of opponent or the, the task that I have at hand. Right. I know like if I go, if I read my list, I say, okay, this guy's a traitor. Maybe I have to adjust the way I, I talk and the way I'm answering his um, questions. Mm -hmm. But um, it, it was helpful regardless. It was definitely very helpful. And so were they giving you like brain teasers and like uh, the traders giving you like math, complex math problems to do in your head? Yeah. So um, I got, I definitely got some really tough um, like brain teasers. I actually got some really tough questions from the, like the desk trial, the research person. So my mentor was right. He, uh, she would ask me questions, and even if I got it right, she'd be like, are you sure that's right? And I'd pause and look at me like I was wrong. Great. Yeah. I'll, I'll look at her, I was like, I'll say, I know I'm right. I was like, uh, yeah, I'm, I, I know that's right. And then she, she was pausing me and give you like a really weird look. She was like, oh, okay. I really tried to trip you up. And I was like, wow, this is really crazy. <laughs> yeah, that is stress. That's stressful, man. Well, good for you for kind of just being confident. So you, do you feel like... Um, when did you hear? So like right when you walked out, did they call you? Was it another week or so before you heard? I think it was maybe a week or yeah, I think it was about a week when I heard back and my mentor was actually the one that called me. So he called me and goes, Hey man, I actually got some good news for you. It's like, um, they're going to give you an offer. So you're going to accept it. Right. And I said, um, yeah, absolutely. He goes, okay, well, I'm going to tell you, Char, you're going to accept it. And he goes, congrats, man. Like, you know, good job. And, that's awesome. I was like, yeah, it was awesome. I, I definitely, but however I did like, um, when I was going through that whole process, I definitely did think, you know, should I even take this if I get this? Because there's a whole summer ahead of me. Um, I had a good GPA, I had good experience, but it did come. Cause I definitely had other people tell me, um, don't like, leverage it, use it to take something else. But I really, I really value, um, connections and relationships. So I knew like, this is a good opportunity, a great firm. I did like the, um, the offerings that they had mm -hmm. as what I can do full time. So I thought it was like a great fit um, for my next step. That's awesome. All right. So that was a real big win. You're super psyched. You get the, you get the offer. Um, mm -hmm. You don't leverage it. You value the connection. And tell me a little bit about um, kind of that. So you, you still had to go through PNC, mm -hmm. finish up PNC. You go back into your, now it's your junior year. Yes. My junior year. And is it kind of like stressful because you're trying to still keep the grades up or what, what was it like through that junior year? I think it was definitely less stressful because I wasn't interviewing. I didn't have to go through any crazy networking, but um, the next step was kind of figuring out what the lay of the land was when I would go internship and then who I could network with to probably best position myself for the roles I wanted. Did you, I keep, did you keep uh, networking through your junior year before the internship? Uh, I was, but I think, but um, the networking I was doing my junior year was definitely more focused. I was trying to email as many Morgan Stanley people as I could. Yeah. And um, I also joined um, a few like career development networks, uh, MLT and SEO, which are great programs. If anyone mm -hmm. who's listening um, wants some type of professional development, if you're a, a diverse candidate, it's an amazing program that helped me throughout my college um, career. 
and was doing a lot of networking through that as well. Yeah, we're working with SEO right now. We're prepping a lot of their kids for private equity recruiting. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. We're, a lot of kids are coming through our mentor network um, for PE recruiting right now, um, which is awesome. I love the fact that they're investing in that specifically because I feel like it has the, the highest. It's, it's basically getting professional private equity people to like give them mock interviews, give them feedback, do it again, do it again, do it again. So I think these kids are going to be like, just improving so much between like the first time they do it to like the third or fourth time. Yeah, uh, so, okay. So you're, you're kind of like getting through your junior year, trying to network a little bit with Morgan Stanley people. You get onto the desk and they tell you, Hey, you're doing CLO structuring right away. Or what was the, what was the, I guess fixed income. They're like, you're in fixed income. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me what were you like? What is that? Like, what am I doing? And can you give a little primer to the, to the listeners in terms of like what you were actually doing day to day as an intern in that? Sure. So um, the way the process worked, you kind of had like a speed dating round mm-hmm. um, a few, like a week before, like you would actually go on the desk. So you would meet all the different groups and they'll tell every, they have, each group had their kind of their pitch on why their group was the best and maybe why you shouldn't want to put them as your number one pick. Mm-hmm. So, um, I put, so at the time, like the hot desk when I was interning, it was securitization, uh, corporate credit, and I think also um, like treasuries in the interest rate desk, they were really hot. Mm-hmm. Um, so networked and kind of uh, met a few people on the CLO structuring desk, the trading desk, um, and securitized products itself and Morgan Stanley. I don't know how it works right now, but I assume it's probably very similar. Mm-hmm. You apply just for the, the entire like group, so you could be on CMBS, CLOs, ABS, the whole nine yards. Mm-hmm. And I got placed into CLO structuring, which is basically where a lot of these asset managers, so the Blackstones, the Palos, the um, Prudentials of the world, they have these CLO funds. And in order for them to create a CLO, they have to go to a, an investment bank like a Morgan Stanley, J.P. Morgan City to help them structure it. So you're basically their CLO banker and you're helping them create um, a, lo- a pool of loans of a pool of loans and you're securitizing them, charging tra- them to different debt and equity. And then the bank is helping you sell those loans out in the secondary market or the primary market. So then you can have, um, I guess, a, a working CLO portfolio where you have investors from different parts of the capital stack and it matures later on like a ten, within 10 years or seven years. Got it. So you're, you're helping them basically um, structure these CLO mm. portfolios, get them up and, and get them sold, either yes. in the primary or the secondary markets. We're advising them as to the type of like portfolio they could have to best optimize grading agencies. So they Got want it. a certain level of triple A's would say, okay, you need to do X, Y, and Z to your portfolio. Right. So you can meet these metrics. And then they would also advise them as to what loans maybe to have or to take out because investors are asking questions about a bad loan that's in there. They're asking questions of why are they so concentrated in oil and gas industry? So they may make adjustments based off you know, what we're seeing in, in the market and also what rating agencies are telling us when we're working with them. What was the hardest thing when you first started as, a, as an intern there? Like just learning the lingo or what was the, the biggest challenge you think coming in as an analyst? I think the biggest challenge is definitely learning lingo, but just kind of like being comfortable there. Because you're really you're you're not really given like a quote unquote game plan as to how to impress anyone or how to or there's no set thing on like okay like if you're interning you have to do this you have to do that it's not like school where you have homework you kind of just have to aggressively 
push for the things you want. And it's also different from my peers and friends that did investment banking internships because they were on deals, they were on assignments. When you're in sales and training, you're kind of just like shadowing people, meeting people on different desks, and just like asking a lot of questions. And you're not really always giving concrete projects. Yeah, it's interesting because that's a good point. Like school, you have homework. Investment banking internships, you're on deals and they're basically telling you, go do this or do that, do this research or spread these books, spread these comps or whatever. Trade, sales and trading, you're really just shadowing a lot, right? And just trying to yeah. be helpful any way you can. Like, hey, let me get you coffee. Let me get you whatever. Um, and just trying to make yourself useful while absorbing some of the stuff. So did you have a certain thing you use, like a set of questions? You would like write down questions and then ask them at a certain time, like any sort of strategies you use that other interns could use that are going on to sales and Yeah, trading? sure. So my situation, at least so Morgan said I had two rotations. So I did, that was my first rotation. So for the first, I think, four and a half weeks, I did CLO structuring. And then the next four and a half weeks, I did leverage loan trading. But um, my my first rotation was CLO structuring. It was a little unique because it was a little more project-based because you were kind of, you were a CLO banker. So you had deals that you were working on Got in terms it. of deals you wanted to bring to the market. Got it. But it was definitely difficult because the way I was told was, even if I do really well on my desk, the whole division in many ways need to kind of like give you a thumbs up if you if you want to get an offer back to the group or to the division in general. So I still had to do all these project-based work, but then at the same time, shadow traders and salespeople know about their product. And at the time when I was interning, the CLO market was pretty hot. So they were really, really busy and they needed um, a lot of support. So I was doing a lot of like the grunt work. Um, what were the hours like that summer? For me, it was rough and I think it, it also was a consequence of like, I just wanted to work hard and like really impress people. So I really don't know like what my hours were supposed to be, but I went in every day around like 6.30 to 7. I left at like 11, 12 every day, yeah. Monday to Friday. You're working like uh, 18 hour days or something or? Yeah, it was, it was rough. Like, uh, because I would go shadow people from the trading desk because you also had to, I forgot to mention this, like your second rotation wasn't um, set. So you had to kind of network for your second rotation as well throughout the entire process. So you had to not only impress your desk, do their work, come up with things that you can show that you're adding value, network with people in your division, mm-hmm. but then at the same time, network with other groups so you can possibly have a seat on their desk for your second rotation if you're interested in them. That's awesome. So when did you know you had uh, the return offer? So you're working your butt off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which is great. You're, you're at least impressing on that side. Did you feel like you were adding at least some value because they were so busy? Yeah. I mean, I, I got really good feedback um, and I did a bunch of projects for them. I, I made up some things that I thought could be useful. Yeah. So I definitely knew I was adding value for sure. So I thought at least my first rotation, I was doing very well. Yeah. And I knew I was also doing very well because when I kind of told my MD and director uh, what I want to do for my next rotation, they asked me, hey, like, what do you want to do? I said, I want to do something in corporate credit. I want to go into high yield or leverage loans. Mm-hmm. And they said, yeah, you definitely talk to these guys. I'm putting a good word for you. And it, it helped me when I ended up getting that second rotation on the leverage loan desk. And any specific reason why you wanted that? That one was it just a good product a good technical product uh, a lot of activity there to, as well yeah sure so i think i thought some of it was it was related to my group so i thought it would be easy push if yeah i was doing well um secondly i was always interested in learning more about you know, companies and i was interested in like high yield debt or like corporate side so 
compared to like unis, rates, FX, I thought it was a better fit for me. Cool. Okay. So you kind of get to the end of the internship, you're exhausted. Mm -hmm. <laughs> when do you know, like, hey, I got a full-time offer or did you not get one? You did. So you did. I kind of got, I think, so I don't know how it works anymore, but you kind of like have a good idea that um, you're getting a, an offer when you're just like network of everyone, like saying like maybe the last, like last week or two or week and a half. Yeah. Um, I had a lot of mentors basically tell me, Hey, like just like revisit the desk that you're on, like tell whatever desk at some point that if you, if you were to get a full-time offer that you want to go back there. Um, so I actually wanted to go back to the leverage loan desk, but they didn't have um, space for me. And at the, at the time it sounded like I was going to get an offer from them. They're like, you're gonna, you want to come back here? Like, tell me now. And I said, yes, I want to come back here. And then it ended up working out. They ended up saying, they ended up not having space, but um, they said, they, I guess I did so well in my internship in general. And on my prior desk, they said, we have space on the CLO structuring desk. They would love to bring you back. Like, would you still accept the offer? And I said, yes, absolutely. And found out the last day and was really excited. Put a, a whole lot of weight off my shoulders. Yeah, man, going into senior year, it's got to feel good with the offer. Oh, <laughs> yeah. some listeners here that have had that, that feeling. So awesome, man. So you're kind of going through that. You start and you're there for a couple of years. Is it just more kind of the similar extension of what you did over the internship, just taking on more responsibility, helping them get, you know, uh, CLO structuring uh, and, and those, those portfolios to market, that type of stuff? Or what was the, how did it evolve, I guess, over the two years that you were there? Yeah, um, it definitely was all that kind of like, I kind of knew what I was getting into when I was going there. The market, were, you, were your hours like really, were your hours still long because they were, they were doing a lot of business? So the team got bigger, so yeah. there was more support. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't just like crazy. I, guess, I mean, like myself doing everything. So my hours were still pretty bad, but they weren't close. They weren't how they were when I was interning. Also, I think when you're interning, you're working extra, extra hard because you're doing a bunch of other things unrelated to your job. Yeah. So you work a little bit more, you're interning than maybe um, your first year. You're having to network, you're having to come in early, make sure you're there early, make sure you're there late. So mm -hmm. it's pretty brutal. Yeah. So you, you did all you had to do to get the offer. You kind of start in the CLO, you're in the CLO structuring desk for a couple of years. And then did you feel like by the end of that time, tell me kind of how your thought process was in terms of what you wanted to do next. Um, mm -hmm whether it was stay in sales and trading, um, stay in structuring or like what your thought process was. Did you have a mentor guiding you saying, Hey, you should try to go to this other type of stuff or how did you end up kind of making that jump over to, over to city? Yeah, sure. So I kind of like didn't want to, I think I realized around like the end of my first year, or like halfway into my second year mm -hmm. that the career trajectory of this was very specific and um, very siloed, which is great if that's what you want to do. You want to be a CLO banker mm -hmm. or you want to want to go work in the buy or work for a CLO shop. Mm -hmm. This is the best way to do it and probably the only way to do it. But I thought like, I wasn't really sure if I wanted to do that. Yeah. And I knew if I want some diversity, I need to get on a career that offer you that type of optionality. And the only one I really knew of was really, consulting or investment banking. Mm -hmm. So, cause I had a lot of friends who did investment banking and then as soon as they wanted to go recruit, they were getting hit up immediately from so many opportunities, whether it's like corporate finance, hedge funds, private equity funds, just because, or startups, just because they had investment banking on the resume. Yeah, it's huge. When I, 
And when I was looking to make a switch to do something else, I really ran into those roadblocks every single time because I had no investment bank or I didn't have like corporate credit or cor- like corporate finance experience yeah. with my resume. Um, and I kind of thought in the beginning though, like the Morgan Stanley name would just carry me on to anything I did, but I realized that wasn't necessarily always the case. It did help me a lot. So this is why and- I tell kids, if you have an offer from like Goldman, but it's in a division like that, you don't want to be long-term or like a trading division or like prime brokerage, which is not really investment banking or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily better than taking a middle market bank in front office bank with like M and a career. So like sometimes it's better to take the, the less prestigious brand name, but it's very kind of targeted to what you want to do long-term. That's going to give you a lot more optionality. So sometimes kids fall into that, especially kids who like don't really, they're not really sure about that optionality when they first start their career and they're just excited to get that, that high paying job right out. Mm -hmm. And like you said, a year in, two years in, they're like, Oh shit. Like I actually, this is actually limiting me. So Mm -hmm. tell me how you overcame that because you said you were running into roadblocks. How did you kind of angle yourself to get that banking offer? I assume you had to start over as like an analyst, like a first year analyst somewhere. I I started off as a second year analyst. I got kind of not bad. But um, I basically was, so I I just, I networked a lot. I had friends that were at City and kind of networked my way to an open position that I was happy to be hiring for like analysts, senior analysts. And the way I positioned myself was, yes, I didn't do direct any investment banking, but I did look at corporates when I was structuring the CLOs. And I did time to time because of school, my desk would ask me, hey, like, you look more into this loan, like um, tell me what, like give me a, like a short like summary of what's going on. Yeah. So I did have that experience and was, and I showed like why I was very interested very succinctly, like why I wanted to make the switch from what I was doing to why I wanted to go to investment banking, particularly in restructuring financing or left fin. And I'm kind of lucky that my job was in the sphere of leverage finance and CLOs technically are the biggest buyer in the left fin space. So it was, um, easier pitch than if I was doing something else probably. Yeah. If you were in like FX trading, probably yeah. a lot harder because <laughs> yeah. you could at least make the link to F to Levfin sponsors, whatever. Um, so <laughs> tell me about restructuring financing. What is that? So, uh, is it, is it for company? When I hear restructuring, I think distressed, was it the rest- like distress where you guys were doing like dip loan, you know, debtor in possession financing, that type of stuff. Yeah. So fortunately, unfortunately there wasn't a whole lot of distress when I was on the desk yeah. or the group. So they did have something. They if you were still out. there, you'd be drowning right now. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in 2020, yeah, you, you stopped in 2019 there. So tell me, yeah, so but restructuring financing, is that, am I thinking of it properly? Like you, you guys are providing um, distressed uh, loans, basically? Yeah, dip loans. We do bridge financing, just kind of like unique, esoteric um, loans. We also did ABLs and then traditional term loans. So it really was like um, case-by-case basis. But the, the main... I guess driver or the ones the the deals that made the most revenue were those dip financing spread. Yeah, the ones the most distressed, right? Because you could charge mm-hmm. the highest interest and put in warrants or whatever you guys mm-hmm. wanted to do to take that mm-hmm. risk. Okay, so that makes sense. So you're there for a year and a half. Did you learn a lot, or was it like, again, six months, super super high pressure, steep learning curve? Mm-hmm. How about culturally? Was it like super hard, like the switch and everything? So it definitely was very intense, um, but the culture was great. The people there are really great. Um, I, I definitely enjoyed my time a lot. Yeah. Um, but I, I actually started thinking about going to making my next step 
after my first year because mm-hmm. I had a lot of friends that made the switch and they kind of said like once you become an associate you kind of get more ingrained in the group and then you're kind of on that VP track so it's in my eyes I thought if there was a good time to recruit it was like around like my second year going into my second year at, in the investment banking program mm-hmm. so that's why um you I had your eyes on buy side like from a, a while before like even when you were back at morgan stanley did you feel like hey that's where i want to end up or was it something where like once you were at you know once you when you once you were at city and banking you thought mm, now is my what's this private equity thing or what's this uh, buy side thing mm-hmm. yeah so i thought buy side was definitely um something that i always aspired to do mm-hmm. and being on the sales and training especially you're always um, doing things for these buy side clients. Like they're they're basically your boss when it comes to all the work you're doing. They're telling you, "Hey, like, I want I'm looking for this." Like for the trader to say, "I'm looking for these bonds, source these bonds for me. I'm trying to sell these bonds." And everyone always spoke so highly of all these firms. Yeah, so it always yeah. seemed like, especially everyone they, when they made this next step, they always went to a buy side shop, and they're always really excited. But um, also, I felt like mostly hedge funds, though, right? Like in terms of CLL, like are you dealing mostly with the hedge fund clients, or there's PE firms as well? I so, guess lots, so some people went to PE firms because, like a GSO, yeah. um, they I guess that you could they have like a, a hedge fund part, but if you're a CLO structure, they'll become a manager of that, that of that group. So they'll be like the CLO portfolio manager, if you want to call it. Okay, so you're you're there about year after the first year um, in in banking. You're mm-hmm. kind of thinking. And so like restructuring financing, I could think of it almost like as, should I think of it as like Lev, the Lev Fin group or like a sub group of that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dealing, okay. exactly. It wasn't super busy because it was 17 to 19. There's not as much distress as there obviously is now. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're basically, hours are probably still 70 plus, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, just, <laughs> it's still banking. Okay, so you're, you're working hard. Um, but you're thinking, okay, now maybe is a good time to start looking. How did you do that? Did you reach out to recruiters? Did you just keep networking to try and find like open roles? How did that whole thing go down? Sure. So reached out to recruiters, reached out to people in my network. And surprisingly, and I kind of ended up working out a lot of recruiters are more receptive now. Like, oh, okay, now you're doing investment banking. Nice. Um, I could definitely put you in touch with these roles and was getting some interviews. Also thought about going on the corporate route, something that I didn't have available to myself Mm -hmm. when I was in sales and trading. And was also interviewing for like corporate strategy, strategic finance. Like and, any corp dev at all? Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, corp dev as well. Yeah. So those are the kind of roles like I was, those are the two like areas I kind of wanted to make the move to next. Yeah. And ended up getting like final rounds in two buy side firms and then one like strategic finance corporate strategy route as well. Nice. Tell me what, what were those, uh, what were those like in terms of uh, the specific interviews? Were they really tough? Were they did like, in terms of the, the buy side ones? Was it mostly like uh, private equity funds, family offices, only family offices? Like, to, I'd love to hear how um, how the recruiters placed you into those, or why they placed you into certain roles. Oh, sure. So um, I think the only one that was a recruiter was one of the um, like big like asset management firms I interviewed with, like within okay. their like credit strategy role. Got so, though, like, so the bias interviews, they were like really going in on like my deal experience and what I learned, and kind of like they weren't really grilling me too much on technical, but they'll ask me things here and there, and kind of like my views on the market, mm-hmm. um, and then my views as why I want to be on the investing side and why I want to be on the buy side. Then they would give you. So were you ready? Like, were you ready for that? Yeah, I was ready. I was. Um, I was definitely prepping a lot. I was. Um, 
kind of going through the the work I did went over the deal, so I knew like those numbers in my head. Yep. And um, did somebody tell you or guide you to do that stuff? How did you know to like be ready for that? You just assumed like they're going to grill me on this. Mm, sure. So I had a lot of friends and colleagues and this like my yeah. network that they went they gave you the heads up. Yeah, they gave me the heads up. Nice. And kind of, kind of was ready, but there's some things you just can't be ready for. Mm-hmm. So, um, but for, at least for those two processes, I got one of my, I mean, I went to the end for both and got offers. Mm-hmm. And after, I guess, a few rounds of just like in-person interviews and this like meeting the group, they give you a case study. Um, and you kind of have to um, put your best foot forward to do a presentation. And um, I ended up just like submitting it and then they kind of gave you feedback. Hey, we, we really liked it. Um, and then gave me an offer. Then for the corporate route, they asked like, why do you want to do corporate strategy? Why do you want to work in strategic finance? Um, why this company? And then they gave, and two of them gave me a modeling test. And then I also got like offers from there as well. The corporate strategy modeling test. What was that like? What do you mean? Like fun three statement financial uh, stuff, projections, what, or debt? Yeah, or- I actually thought theirs was pretty hard because they give you a time to one and they say, oh, there's a situation, um, model out these, um, like this, this prompt within, I think it was like an hour. And like, you have to read this whole prompt. You have to quickly kind of like put like the three statements together. And then they ask you questions like, oh, um, I don't remember off the time I had, but they'll ask like, oh, like, so what, like, um, what would you do to solve for like the cash flow deficit? Like where do you, where do you see improvements or something like that? So not only you have to make sure you did it right, but you have to be able to answer these questions in this like short period of time. You couldn't really check it. There's really an operating model, like a revenue bill and stuff like that. So you're, you're able as a, as a strategic finance, you're really trying to look at the numbers and be able to, to point out irregularities or things where areas of improvement basically. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Okay. So you ended up taking a job with family office mm-hmm. and tell me what's, what's, how is it different from, from banking? Uh, you know, you're doing everything from credit to real estate to alternatives VC, which is pretty cool. You're getting to see a lot of different asset classes. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me what that's been like. And you've been there almost a couple of years now, or at least a year and a half. I know it's been a little bit crazy, probably the last <laughs> four months, a little different, yeah. but, but mm-hmm. tell me, uh, yeah. What are you, what are you seeing, um, in terms of like, what's the job like versus banking? Sure. So now um, I'm on the investing side, so it's like a totally different hat. We're yeah. kind of looking at the opportunity sets of where we want to allocate the family's money. Mm-hmm. So they already have existing investments in certain things. So it's whether we want to divest out of those um, and also, we, uh, or like diversify it. It's, it's really complex and it's really somewhat intense too, because you're, you have one client and they're very on top of their game and you really have to kind of work with them to kind of find their solutions. And at the end of the day, they make the decision yes or no, if they want to do certain things. Of course, like the investment team, like they hire them and they create this and then they don't have to do that. But um, at least the structure that we have, they're very involved in all the, the entire process of the actual decision-making and stuff like that. So you guys are doing all the work. So how many, um, in terms of you have like a, a principal that's working above you or a couple principals and you're doing a lot of the, like putting together investment committee memos. Is that, is that fair? Yeah, no, that's correct. That's, it's pretty standard, like a typical buy side fund. Um, and so are you, um, is that mandated? Like the deals that are coming in are like some of them from like banks and just personal connections, stuff like that. And just like, you guys are just flooding with opportunities all the time. Or is it like you guys are, um, I, I'm just curious, like, are, is the hour, are the hours better than banking? I'd hope so. Yeah, yeah, the hours are definitely yeah. better than banking usually. Yeah. Uh, but, um, recently, like during the whole COVID crisis, they definitely got 
pretty bad. It got really intense. Yeah. Because they're really just trying to figure out what to do and um, really trying to navigate the whole uh, environment. Yeah, especially with real estate. If they have commercial real estate, I'm sure it's crazy. Mm -hmm. Or even, even residential mm -hmm. um, <laughs> with a lot of people not being able to pay. So, um, cool, man. Any, any thoughts? And before we call it, any, any kind of advice you'd give to the younger listeners mm -hmm. in terms of like just looking back at your path or things you wish you had done or um, things that would have helped or, or anything like that in terms of what to do? Yeah, sure. So I think like the main thing is like you really kind of have to really truthfully figure out like what you want to do and just don't go for the shiny thing just because it's there. Like don't just take any role because it's front office. I like really make sure you, you know what you're getting yourself into and then knowing that you want to do what you want to do because it's, it's like, it's easy for people to say, Oh, it's only two years of your life, a year of your life to do something that you don't like or you don't want to do. It, when those two years, in my opinion, they are really rough. And a lot of people can't handle it. A lot of people just can't like grind through that entire time. So if you could, right, you could do a lot of self-reflection, make sure you know what you want to like, make sure to the best of your knowledge, you have a good sense of what you want to do because it'll make your life way easier and it'll get you to the end point probably much quicker than if um, you're just jumping through a bunch of different things and happenings. Yeah. So some self-reflection in terms of what you actually enjoy doing which is it's tough coming out of school because you've, oh, had, yeah. you've had a few yeah. you've had a few internships it's not like you know everything you've just been you maybe a few mentors some friends that are a little older than you maybe guiding you a little bit but um and i i almost feel like so many people are like buy side buy side buy side now that there's like it's it's almost everyone's so obsessed with getting into like private equity or family office or hedge fund that it's well maybe not maybe less so hedge fund now but because it's it's been struggling but mm -hmm it's almost like skewed so far to that direction. I almost say like maybe there's a opportunities in banking, outsized opportunities in banking to get promoted super fast. Um, yeah, it's it's it, definitely more stable. And I mean, the yeah. banks have been doing very well and there's fee compression on the buy side. So a lot of these firms, a lot of them have been actually converting into family offices because yeah, at least like prior to COVID, a lot of these like distress opportunity sets were like very high yielding like strategies. They weren't doing as well as maybe they could have been. And then even through COVID, it wiped out a lot of really levered firms. And then the opportunity set shrunk so quickly because the Fed came in and just basically, you know, stabilized the entire market. So, yeah. But yeah. There um, wasn't a big window there for sure. So I think a bank, like the investment banks in general, there's definitely a great opportunity there because, especially in the current environment, because they're doing well. And I mean, they're pretty well capitalized and, a lot of the best, at least I know on the sales and trading side, they, they did very, very well during the whole COVID crisis. So it, it seemed to have all worked out for you. Do you, do you at all look back to like the, the CLO time, the time as in the CLO and think to yourself, wow, I almost got stuck doing something really niche. Or do you feel like it was still a great name to have on your resume and it's still worth it because it got you kind of just at least on the track on, on a track. So I think it, it definitely still helped me because it was a great name. It definitely helped me get that role at Citigroup. And then even in my current role, um, one of the PMs he did, he worked in CMBS. So he respected the securitization role of like CLOs. So he knew like how intense it was. Yeah. And for people that know that group, they kind of give you like automatic like stamp that you are like, that you're pretty smart or that you can work a really complex situation because CLOs are viewed as very, very complex. Yeah. So it definitely helps sometimes and then other times like well, the, the recruiters probably like it didn't help with the recruiters, but it helped with people who understood the group. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. They because yeah. the recruiters were like just automatically placing. Oh, you want just do CLOs like because they want to make exactly. their lives easier. Exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're not gonna they're not gonna put in the mental. Um, they don't have the they don't have the kind of nuance around, you know, what groups are best or more technical or not. So it's tougher. Sure. Uh, yeah, that's that's not not a blaming them. It's tough. Even I don't know. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, in from my seat, seeing you know, having talked to hundreds of people and sales and trading and banking, even I sometimes struggle to keep it all straight. But anyways, man, yeah. Thanks so much for sharing your story, for um, giving all this great advice to, to the listeners and uh, let's stay in touch. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Patrick. Really enjoyed uh, talking with you. Thanks, man. And thanks to you, my listeners at Wall Street Oasis. If you have any suggestions whatsoever, please don't hesitate to send them my way, Patrick at wallstreetoasis.com. And until next time.